Back a person into a corner and more often than not, they'll come out swinging and show their true measure under adversity. And judging by the various personnel moves that Bobby Hurley has engineered, not only with his roster, but also with the assistant coaching staff, has certainly validated that theory. No matter how big of a critic you were of ASU's head basketball coach, following one of the most disappointing season in re- recent memory in Tempe, it would be impossible to just shrug your shoulders when you look at what has transpired since the season ended just over a month ago. In this Devil's Junkies podcast episode, we will analyze all of that news with the help of former ASU basketball player Jamie Andrusevich, and all from our own perspective as well on the topic. There are a lot of moving parts to discuss, so let's get this thing started. I was living in a devil town. I didn't know it was a devil town. Oh Lord, it really brings me down about the devil town. Welcome to the Devil's Junkies podcast. I'm your host and devilsdigest.com publisher, Hode Rubino. And to try to sort out all this flurry of activity with ASU basketball, no better way than to talk to a former Arizona State player himself, Jamie Andrusevich, who played for the Sun Devils between 2002 and 2005 and currently is an assistant coach for the G League Santa Cruz Warriors. Jamie, it's been a long time. How you been? Good. It's definitely been a, a long time, but uh, yeah, thanks for having me. Absolutely. So uh, I know that um, as an alumni of ASU, you've been uh, following all the happenings um, here in Tempe with the basketball team, uh, both um, a disappointing season that took place, but uh, Bobby Hurley uh, comes out swinging on that last season. And before we talk in specific about some of the moves that have been um, taking place, um, just give me your quick take um, on the year that ASU had last season with all the high expectations and what ASU has done uh, since then to correct everything. Yeah, I think, you know, this past year was just such a, a unique year in college basketball, um, you know, with COVID. And, you know, I, I think it's truly hard to evaluate any team based on their record this past year. Um, you know, the the COVID protocols, the stoppages of play, the canceled games, you know, the, the quarantines where, you know, they couldn't even practice for, you know, a week or even longer at a time. So, you know, I think um, I think all those things probably had an effect and, um, you know, every team was affected differently, some more than others. So, you know, um, this past season, I mean, you know, uh, our season got pushed back. So I was able to probably pay a little bit more attention early on than normal and was actually able to go to to a game against, I believe it was Houston Baptist. So, you know, um, you know, I, I just think it was, there were some ups and downs. I mean, they look great at times, like the game I was able to go to. And, you know, there were some good team performances at times. There were some good individual performances at times. Um, you know, I think overall, it probably wasn't the year we were all hoping for. Um, you know, I think uh, we probably all had higher expectations than, you know, 11 and 14 or, or whatever. Um, we were, but, you know, for, for me personally, I think this was probably more of uh, the exception from than the norm from a, a Bobby Hurley team. You know, this is uh, this was a talented team. You know, I think you'll see, uh, you know, some of these guys move on from here and have some success. And I think, uh, you know, you'll also see Coach Hurley reload and, and you'll see our Sun Devils be back next season to, uh, you know, the success we've we've kind of grown accustomed to these last few years. And in your uh, position uh, being, uh, you know, p- part of a G League coaching staff, uh, 
you know, without, you know, naming names, because we're not going to violate any NBA rules over here, but when you see players, no matter who the team is, in a struggling season, um, as an NBA scout, the part of an NBA front office, or even a G League front office, I mean, how much do you take that in account? I mean, do you really just, is it, is it hard or is it easy just to separate maybe the player from the team that they played? And even if a team did struggle, that maybe when it's all said and done, NBA stock or maybe even G League stock doesn't get affected as much as people think it does? You know, I think um, especially our, our NBA scouts, I mean, they're looking at everything. They're looking at team success, but I mean, they, they followed these guys, you know, for a long time and they're, they're looking at, you know, every little detail, whether it's how these guys, you know, warm up or their body language during games, how they react to being taken out of the game, whether they're coachable, all that stuff. So, um, you know, I think wins and losses certainly, uh, and whether they underachieve or not certainly get taken to account when evaluating a player um, and part of a scout's job is you know figuring out how much of that was on the player and, and how much of other factors or what was going on contributed to that as well so when you look at a, at a team like Arizona State last year I mean the reason that there were so 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 many high expectations was the fact that they really had a lot of firepower on offense, but I know that myself, and I don't want to sound like Mr. Hindsight over here, and I definitely wasn't the only one conveying this opinion. You always wonder, okay, there's only one ball, but you have all these really skillful shooters that need, they need to share the ball uh, one way or another. And even though ASU had a lot of um, injuries and other issues, which really caused key players to miss significant time, but is there something to be said that it might be much harder than people think it is to have a talented team with so many skillful offensive players, whether it's college, NBA, G League, but sharing the ball, having that cohesiveness, having that chemistry when everybody wants to shine uh, is really an obstacle that sometimes is uh, almost impossible to conquer. Yeah, I mean, you brought up a good point. There was only one ball. So, um, you know, the pieces have to fit and, you know, First off, I mean, I think this is a great problem to have to, to where you have too much talent. So it, it's always much easier to try to, to to figure out how to handle too much talent than than not enough. So um, but for sure, the pieces have to fit. And, you know, sometimes, uh, you know, a bunch of scores isn't the answer. You need guys to, to rebound. You need guys to defend. You need, you need guys to sprint the floor. You need guys to share the ball to create all, all those different things. So you know, in a perfect world, um, you know, a lot of your talent can do all those things and, and they play together and, and they put winning and, and team success above their own kind of personal goals. So, um, but like I mentioned earlier, I mean, you know, with, with young talent, especially, I mean, it, it takes time and to build a team and to come together and all that stuff. And, and, you know, there were some challenges this year when, when you can't be in the gym together and you can't be around each other and, and all that stuff, I mean, that all takes a toll on, on building a team and, and getting guys to come together. So, um, you know, obviously I wasn't there on a day-to-day -day basis. So, um, you know, I'm just kind of looking at things from afar as well, but um, you know, that's kind of my take on it. So I know that Bobby Hurley at the end of the season talked about, I want to get players over here that, and I'm paraphrasing what he said, just have a, 
different um, character level, if you will, and maybe a just different mindset than some of the players that, that he had here last year. Obviously, he didn't name any names or, or anything like that, but I know that um, sometimes is maybe this uh, stereotype that if a player has good character and says and does all the right things, maybe uh, the talent is sacrificed at, at, at some time. And not only, not only basketball, I would say football, other sports, that, that, that seems to be the case too. But when you see a team like ASU that added so many transfers, whether it's grad transfers or just transfers that still had more than one year eligibility left uh, to, to ASU, I got to think that just having guys, and most of them came from uh, mid-major programs, uh, coming to a place like ASU with that hunger, that really, really uh, takes care part takes uh, care, I'm sorry, um, of the character part. And now it's just a matter of just the talent, the talent really shining through. But do you feel that for a team like ASU, just like Bobby Hurley said, it was really imperative to not only get talented teams, but an extra bonus, maybe even a necessity, is to get a character level that matches a pretty high uh, talent level as well. For sure, for sure. I mean, you know, Bobby's been doing this for a long time. He's been successful. I think this is probably what his – was this his sixth year at ASU? Um, so, I mean, you know, he's had success. He knows what type of players he wants, and he knows what he needs on his roster. So, um, you know, he's there on a day-to-day basis. And, you know, I just – I know from a coaching perspective in general, I mean, there's certain things you can teach and there's certain things you can't. So, um, you know – I know it, at our level, it's like if if we got to try to motivate guys every day, they're they're not going to make it anyway. So, um, you know, there are certain traits and characteristics you need out of of players that you know, you know, I, a coach can't really coach effort. You know, so um, there are certain things that that you need on your roster and you qualities you need out of out of guys. Um, you know, and, and Bobby knows what that is better than anybody for, for him. So, and each coach might be a little bit different, but, um, you know, I, I have no doubt he knows what he know what he needs and, and what's going to make, you know, the program better in the future. As far as the whole, uh, chip, chip on the shoulder, which I know is probably one of the most overused cliches in sports, but I think when you look at some of these transfers coming in, like I said, especially from, from low-level programs, whether it's Robert Morris or Toledo, I think that that uh, chip on the shoulder does exist. I mean, you uh, being, being a former college player and I've been just, you know, coaching players that may have that mentality, is that um, a quality that is really viewed more as a positive than a negative? Because I think sometimes if that chip on your shoulder is a little bigger than your shoulder, uh, maybe uh, being um, over emotional can sometimes really hinder a player's ability who's just trying just a little too hard and maybe in the process missing some uh, very important nuances uh, to his game that can benefit him personally as well as the team. For sure. I mean, you know, I think that that chip on your shoulder is, is beneficial and you need guys like that around you. Um, you know, that's one of those things like, you know, you can't teach um, and it's easier to, to rein that in and try to, you know, uh, light a fire under somebody. So, you know, I, I definitely don't think it's a bad thing, you know, um, bringing in guys that, that maybe have transferred from a lower level or something like that, that, that have proven that they could do it there, that have the desire and the chip on their shoulder to, to prove that they can do it at a higher level. So, um, you know, hopefully, 
you know, like I said before, the pieces got to fit and, and there's a lot of ways to channel that, that energy and the chip on your shoulder. And, and hopefully those guys do it in the right way. And, and they, they come together and, and, and build a successful team. We talk about all the pieces uh, fitting. I mean, that is just a huge issue right now with ASU. I mean, look, it's, it's legitimately uh, okay to be excited about the level of talent that they brought in terms of the transfers, in terms of some of the incoming freshmen. But ultimately, right now as we speak, and this could be changing while we're talking in this, <laughs> in this crazy pace world, there are only three scholarship players from last year's team that are returning to, the, to this year's team. And, and, and the two major ones, uh, uh, Jalen Graham and, and Kimani Lawrence, um, have really just played the, the most significant minutes out, out, of, out of that group. Do you think that uh, having more structured practices in July, you know, four or so months before this, the season opener, is that really the, the recipe to bring this team uh, as cohesiveness and, and really enhance the level of chemistry as fast as possible? I mean, I mean you, you, you being a coach, and I'm assuming in the G League, you probably even have turnover that's very similar to what ASU is experiencing right now. What is like the uh, quote-unquote secret sauce to bring uh, so many players who are new to each other and new to the coaching staff on the same page sooner rather than later. Yeah. I mean, I think, you know, this is from what I've seen 11 newcomers already. So, you know, I think the challenge now is instead of building a program, you're trying to build a new team every year. And um, this is definitely something we see more at the pro level um, where, you know, uh, we may, have 20 different guys during one season and, and very rarely do you see, you know, more than a few guys uh, for one season. So, you know, there's definitely different challenges and um, you know, I, I think, yeah, it's even more important that you bring in guys that fit together and, and you get started right away and you start getting them in the gym together and getting everybody on the same page. Um, and the quicker you can do that, the better off you're going to be, you know, I think uh, from what, I can tell on, on paper, we're definitely going to be talented again. You know, I think this might even be more of a complete roster this upcoming year. Um, you know, definitely more size and depth. So, um, yeah, I think it's a matter of getting everybody in the gym together, getting everybody on the same page, starting to build that chemistry together. And, um, yeah, hopefully, you know, by the time November comes around then then, uh, you know, we'll be, more of a team than, than individuals or individual talent. Is there any player, whether it's a returning player or a new addition that, that has really caught your eye and you really think uh, would end up being a significant part of this team, or maybe even somebody you could point to an X factor on this 21, uh, 22 Sun Devil team? Um, pretty sure I'm not allowed to comment on anyone specifically um, okay. still, still in college, but um, you know, from, just in generalities, I mean, again, definitely a lot of talent. Bobby's reloaded, and, and it's going to be an exciting season, I think. And, and like I mentioned, I think this may even be more of a complete roster. So, um, you know, I'm excited. I think, uh, you know, Bobby Bobby knew what he needed, and I think he went out and got it. And, you know, I'm excited to see see what happens this season. So in, in, in terms of a, a style of play, I mean, I know Bobby Hurley's calling card has been um, the uh, – great level of freedom that, 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 that he does give his players. And that's definitely uh, 
a scheme that he employed not only last year, but really most of his years, I think, in Tempe. But when he talks about um, just having structured, more structured practices, even starting in July, uh, I think uh, the goal and the intent over here is, is pretty clear. And obviously, uh, when it comes to, um, you know, also having uh, new assistant coaches on the staff, he's going to have at least two, uh, two, two new assistants. Would it be fair to say, Jamie, that when you have all these elements in place, so many new faces on the floor, so many new faces on the bench, uh, assisting Hurley, that maybe having a more structured uh, scheme, structured philosophy is uh, what is really needed over here for this ASU team to not, not only erase the memories of last year, but really excel uh, in its own right? Yeah, I think, you know, especially early on, um, just giving some structure and some guidance and, and putting some general um, philosophies in will, will help bring everybody together and help get everybody on the same page. You know, I think there's a fine line when you are talented. I mean, you don't want to restrict guys and um, you want to let them play and, and let them use their, their talent. But at the same time, I think it's important to be, you know, as a coaching staff organized early on to, to put some structure in and get everybody on the same page and get some general general guidelines in place, um, you know, to, to help everybody get on the same page a little bit quicker. Okay, Jamie, well, uh, I really appreciate you uh, bringing uh, your perspective, uh, not only as a, uh, as a coach in the G league, but also as a former ASU player. Uh, I know that fans are really going to um, appreciate uh, what you had to say about this ASU team. And uh, like you said, I mean, there's definitely some, uh, some key components and maybe even a new philosophy that should uh, help the Sun Devils in 21-22. So, uh, Jamie, thank you uh, so much for your time, for joining us, and uh, let's do this uh, again down the road. Sounds great. Thanks for having me. So as mentioned, wanted to give my own perspective on the personnel changes that ASU basketball has gone through. And again, as we mentioned, uh, there's no way to overstate the massive overhaul that happened, not only with the roster, but also with assistant coaching staff. And that's actually why I want to start my analysis over here with these personnel moves. I'll just say right off the bat that as, that as we are recording this podcast, the assistant coach hires have not been official yet by Arizona State. They still have to go through the normal human resources process. However, we did confirm that these two hires, which I'm about to discuss right now, have already taken place, and it's a matter of when, not if, they will become official in Tempe. The crown jewel of these hires, in my opinion, is Joel Justice, who comes from Kentucky, spent the last five years under John Calipari in Lexington, he worked uh, closely in both recruiting and developing some of the star players for the for the Wildcats, a lot of them NBA first-round draft picks, uh, Keldon Johnson, uh, Tyler Hero, Bema Badeo, Tyrese Maxey, just to name a few. And I was talking to a Kentucky insider who definitely had a lot of good things to say and with a very disappointing season there in Lexington this past season, definitely saw Justice as someone who is ready to put that 
experience behind him, come over here to Tempe, probably get even more responsibilities, probably even a promotion, if you will, uh, um, now working for Bobby Hurley, but somebody who I think would be extremely valuable on, on the recruiting trail. We talk about just credentials and what he was able to accomplish with the Wildcats the last five or so years. I think that is something that can resonate quite well with the prospects that Arizona State will be trying to pursue in the years to come. As we know, Arizona State Associate Head Coach Rashawn Bruno, who was effectively Bobby Hurley's right-hand man, the number one sounding board on the staff, has left to be the head coach at Northern Illinois University. And Justice, I think, is a very, very competent replacement uh, to Bruno, a very crucial part of the ASU staff. And I think this is an excellent job uh, by Hurley, again, hiring somebody with a great resume, great credentials, and definitely somebody who should be an asset to this coaching staff. The other hire right now, which again will become official in the upcoming days, is Jermaine Kimbrough. And the name may not be uh, carrying that much weight as a guy like Justice, but where he worked for the last two seasons is definitely impressive resume-wise, if you will, because he was an assistant to Porter, Porter Mosier at Loyola, Loyola Chicago the last two seasons. If you're just a casual uh, observer of the NCAA basketball tournament in recent memory, you know uh, what this program has been able to accomplish in March Madness. And to have somebody from that staff come over to Tempe, I think, again, it's definitely an accomplishment and it's nothing to really shrug your shoulders over. Uh, Mosier, as some of you may know, uh, did uh, accept the head coaching job uh, at, at Oklahoma. So Kimbrough saw that as a good opportunity to move on himself. And talking to a local recruiting expert here in the Valley, uh, not that he didn't have good things to say about justice coming from Kentucky, but he said Kimbrough uh, might be a very underrated uh, recruiter, was very, very complimentary about what he's seen him do on the recruiting trail. So again, maybe an assistant coach hire that's not getting as much fanfare, but I think uh, by all accounts, this should be a hire that could be very, very beneficial for the Sun Devils. There are a lot of new players to talk about on this Arizona State team, so I'm not going to spend too much time on them because uh, that could last a whole entire podcast in itself. But definitely I want to talk about a crown jewel of the recruiting class, and that is Canadian center Enoch Bauchi. And yes, I am pronouncing that name right. Thank you very much. He stands 6'10", 240 pounds. Uh, not only really a classic uh, post player, probably the closest thing we've seen in that regard since uh, Romello White pl played here in Tempe, but also somebody that does have a nice mid-range shot. Uh, definitely a type of athlete that can that can run up and down the floor, so not going to slow down or, or clog down the, the offense. Uh, a very, very good uh, re rebounder on both ends of the court. And look, uh, we can spend an entire podcast on another topic, and that would be the issues of the front court play under Bobby Hurley, uh, definitely an area that had a lot of peaks and valleys and probably more of the latter in Bobby Hurley's tenure at Arizona State. But to have uh, Jalen Graham, a very talented young front court player, uh, come back for come back for his junior year, and now to have Enoch Bauchi uh, as a not only a supplement but maybe even somebody 
that can take a lot of pressure off of Graham in terms of those front court duties, I think was absolutely in, in, instrumental. And not that the other additions to the roster uh, don't move the needle, but I think when you add somebody of a caliber of Bauchi, somebody that very much could be another one-and-done player for Arizona State, uh, there's really no way to overstate the importance of this addition and how much it can help a team that in a matter of three seasons, when it comes to rebounding differential, went from a plus eight to a minus five. That is a huge swing. And that is a point of criticism that I'm sure Bobby Gurley is really sick of uh, listening to. He did something about it like he did about a lot of other issues on the team, addressed it, addressed it very, very effectively and uh, Bauchi being a member of the Sun Devils and also cla- reclassifying for t- uh, 2022 to 21 class is extremely appealing to an Arizona State team that needs help in the front court right here, right now. And Bauchi will be a great, great factor in improving that aspect of play for the Sun Devils. When I talk to local recruiting experts about the next player, who signed as part of ASU's 2021 class, uh, Jemiah Neal. Uh, I've heard repeatedly that he truly could be the steal of this recruiting class. It's not uncommon for fans and even pundits sometimes to really judge a prospect by the number and more importantly, the caliber of offers that he has. And Jemiah Neal, uh, truth be told, the only Power 5 program that offered him is a program that he ultimately signed with, Arizona State. But as a uh, 6'6", 190 forward, I'm, I'm told that he is somebody that really has a lot of versatility. Uh, played at the prestigious uh, Hillcrest Prep locally here in Phoenix and had very nice numbers, 18 points, 7 boards, and 5 assists on average. And on a team that's obviously loaded with a lot of quality D1 talent, I don't think that's a small uh, feat at all to post uh, those stats um, over the season. Neil actually committed to ASU back in November, could have signed uh, back then, but uh, I guess ultimately the plan was to see how he would do over his senior season at Hillcrest, perhaps to give the Sun Devils just that extra level of confidence, if you will, to sign him in the April signing period. Sure enough, uh, everything did go as planned, and Neil is another addition to this ASU squad. So let's move on to the four transfers that ASU added. And as we know, the transfer portal, not only in football, but also in basketball has been absolutely saturated. I think the number of transfers uh, in that portal stands just around 1,400. ASU obviously lost uh, more than a couple of players to the transfer portal themselves, but not to sound um, as Mr. Sugarcoat, but I feel that for the most part, if not entirely, every player that did leave ASU via the transfer portal was replaced by a better player in turn. And let's um, actually start um, in the in the front court with AJ Brahma, a six seven, two hundred ten pound forward who comes from uh, from Robert Morris. He played only 12 games uh, last year for the Colonials, but uh, did average a very impressive 21 points and 10.3 rebounds. I was fortunate to personally talk to Brahma and the three other transfers, and I definitely did sense that common denominator 
as far as having really hungry players, uh, most of the transfers coming from mid-major conferences uh, like the Horizon League, for example, in Brahma's case. And uh, they definitely have a chip on their shoulder. They definitely are eager to show that they can play at a high level at one of the best conferences in the country as, a, as the Pac-12. So I think just adding a mature player like like Brahma, who can really help uh, with with rebounding, uh, you look look at him on film and you talk to people who know him, uh, somebody who has a, a great uh, great work ethic. And judging by Bobby Hurley's comments uh, after the last game of the season, you could tell that he was disappointed with the character of some of the players on this team. Without naming names, uh, I, w- I would say that all those players who had those undesirable characteristics are no longer part of this ASU squad. And to have somebody like Brahma, who is really a 180-degree turn in personality, uh, if you will, is uh, really a breath of a breath of fresh air. And again, aside from the character, I think he definitely has a lot of those front court skills that uh, ASU desperately needed to upgrade. Another common theme over here as I move to talk about the backcourt transfers is that, is that each and every player, and this also includes Brahma, even though he played only 12 games, so maybe that's a little debatable, but each addition through the transfer portal to ASU was actually the leading scorer of his team. So trust me, you're not getting uh, players over here that uh, showed any struggles on that end of the court at all. So I think a great job by, by Bobby Hurley, uh, not really going after middle-of-the-road players, but really just making sure that the scoring overall for the Sun Devils was not going to suffer just because of the high turnover that took place over here. And let's start with uh, Marion Jackson, a 6'1", 200-pound uh, guard uh, from, from Toledo. Uh, again, leading scorer uh, for his team, uh, 18.1 rebounds per game. Also very impressive, well-rounded player with, with 6.1 rebounds for a 6'1 guard. Uh, that is something that is definitely an eye opener, averaging uh, just under just under six assists, and he be somebody that is shown to be a very very prolific uh, three point shooter, uh, 37 percent um, at that. And ASU uh, uh, was really battling some heavyweights over here. I think in Georgetown, Miami, Arkansas, uh, with the last team uh, being somebody, uh, sorry, a program that went pretty deep in in the latest uh, NCAA tournament. So if you're uh, looking for a very competent point guard and somebody that has really big shoes to fill uh, in Remy Martin, I think uh, Jackson is somebody that might just be able to, to pull that off. And again, I know it's really easy to look at the fact that he did not play at a same conference caliber as the Pac-12. But when you talk about having a head coach such as Bobby Hurley, who's considered perhaps the best point guard ever, in, in, in college basketball, then I would trust his judgment that if anybody could be a effective replacement to a guy like Ray Martin, then Marion Jackson could fill the bill over there. The next one, uh, next transfer I'm sorry to talk about is uh, DJ Horn from Illinois State. Uh, he's somebody who averaged uh, 15 uh, point, point one points, uh, shot even at a higher clip from beyond the arc at 42.4%. Perhaps the competition for his services compared to Jackson wasn't as fierce, but uh, nonetheless, somebody who 
at worst, could be an excellent guard uh, com- coming off the bench uh, for ASU. High-volume high score, which, again, is a, a common theme with all the guards ASU added. And last but not least, and this is the only transfer portal addition that actually came from a high major conference, the ACC to be exact, Jay Heath, who was a leading scorer at Boston College, averaging 14.5 points, also averaged 3.1 rebounds, 1.8 assists, um, is probably really more of a combo guard compared to the other two guards that have been added to the team. Uh, He was on the all-freshman team uh, for the ACC in his first year uh, with the Eagles. So uh, you're definitely getting uh, one of the, I think, the better guards that, 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 were, the, that were in this portal. And again, as mentioned, that, that there definitely was a lot to choose from. Uh, somebody who was also a pretty good uh, three-point shooter at, um, at 35%. So all in all, when you just look at all these additions, uh, the backcourt, obviously, for ASU with the losses of Remy Martin, Alonzo Verge, and Josh Christopher definitely needed a boost over there. And I think that when you look at this list of transfers, uh, you're definitely getting uh, talented players, players that are proven to be leaders on the on their respective squads. And speaking of leaders, and I don't know if I would call this next player in addition, even though he did go through senior night ceremonies uh, in the last home game in Tempe, but uh, forward Kimani Lawrence. Uh, did decide to take advantage of the eligibility freeze rule instituted by the NCAA due to the pandemic, and he is coming for a fifth year uh, in, in Tempe. And look, he's somebody that when you look at maybe just the raw overall season stats of uh, eight points and five rebounds uh, averages, not, nothing really to write home about uh, when you just look at those figures in a vacuum. However, when you dig little more into those stats, you look at the fact that over the last nine contests, Kimani Lawrence averaged 13.1 points and 7.8 rebounds, highlighted obviously uh, by his 21 point and 20 rebound uh, performance uh, over a game in Washington. Ironically, he tied his career scoring uh, two nights earlier against the same team, uh, scoring, uh, scoring 22 points. So, He's definitely a player that, again, if you're an ASU fan, you know that was really riddled by a lot of injuries. Even uh, even last season, uh, started the season uh, si- sideline, and in the last game of the year against Oregon, did have to leave the game early due to what seemed to be a, a pretty severe hamstring injury. Uh, all in all, he just did not have enough film to show to professional scouts, whether it be local scouts here in the NBA and G League or even scouts overseas. So I think the return of Lawrence, just from a selfish point of view, was definitely a smart move. But nonetheless, when you have so many new faces, whether it's transfers, whether it's incoming freshmen, just to have some kind of anchor to lean on in a Kimani Lawrence or Jalen Graham for that matter, I think is really a point of comfort uh, for Bobby Hurley. Because look, the chemistry, the cohesiveness of this team and how quickly it comes together uh, is going to be a huge question mark. And I'm sure that anybody who is doubting the future success of this squad is going to point to that factor on every day that ends with the Y. But I think that in terms of a leadership uh, perspective, Kimani Lawrence, who may be a more uh, 
reserved uh, personality type of player uh, is somebody who I'm pretty confident that can step up to the plate and really bring uh, this team together as quickly as possible uh, from a player perspective. Because as we know that when we talk about the camaraderie of of a team, there's only so much coaches and staff can do. Ultimately, it does come to the player level interactions, if you will, and how effective that becomes. So Kimani Lawrence, I think, is going to be asked to carry that mantle. And I think that's why his return, which maybe when we're talking a year from now in terms of raw averages of points and rebounds, may not look a whole lot different, but it, can Kimani Lawrence be that leader? Can he be that so-called glue guy for this team? If that's a question that can be answered with a resounding yes, then there's no doubt in my mind that you'll see an ASU team that will have a better season than than the last one. If nothing else, it's definitely going to be interesting to see because when you have so many new faces and a lot of them with impressive resumes, whether it's playing resumes or coaching resumes, I think that the excitement that was really sucked out of the fan base early in the season when it was evident that this Sun Devil squad wasn't going to come close to fulfilling very lofty preseason expectations, that measure of excitement is definitely back right now and there's definitely much more anticipation for the 21-22 season than any of us thought would be just a few weeks ago. And that'll do it for this episode of the Devil Junkies podcast. I'd like to thank again Jamie Andrusevich, former Arizona State player, who gave us his perspective on what he saw from the Sun Devils last year, but more importantly, uh, what he does see moving forward for this Arizona State team. Uh, we're going to probably have a podcast uh, later on uh, in the summer. You're not going to have to wait uh, that long uh, for, the, for the next episode. Uh, there's definitely going to be a lot of uh, news, I believe, in the football recruiting world. So we're definitely going to cover that. And Bobby Hurley said that there might be another addition or so uh, to this Arizona State basketball team. So if and when that does happen, uh, we will definitely cover that in the next podcast episode. Thanks for joining us. Have a great day. I was living in a devil town. I didn't know it was a devil town. Oh, Lord, it really brings me down about the devil town.